it's ep in the city and aunt b and welcome to the The wind down where we give you a healthy dose of sophisticated ignorance look we don't claim to be perfect and we are definitely not politically correct but if you're not too sensitive well just bring your sense of humor and and wind down down with with us hey it's your girl ep and it's aunt b and welcome to the wind down 2017 version yes as always, welcome to the wind down. How are you today? Awesome. Always awesome. That's just going to be my answer every time. What about you? <laughs> Forever awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm great. I'm great. Just uh, enjoying life and taking in, you know, the, the changes in the season. We're heading into Mardi Gras, which is its own season. Yeah, Mardi Gras is definitely... It's all season. It's interesting that you brought that up because I actually had in my mental notes to um, discuss Mardi Gras and something that we kind of touched on earlier. Um, it's with the girls, the little girls that are in the dancing organizations that usually yes. take part in the Mardi Gras parade. Right. And for all who don't know, look, Mobile is the city that originated Mardi Gras. So Mardi Gras started here. We have official Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras parades, et cetera, et cetera. Um, There are a lot of dance organizations that feature young girls, and a lot of the outfits that the girls wear are kind of similar to what your um, high school dance girls or majorettes might wear. Um, Erica and I have talked before about this, and we're just bringing it to the wind down. I guess I want to get your public opinion on it because I really know how you feel about it. <laughs> you know, my private opinion, my public opinion. Yes. <laughs> I'm not with you know, it. sometimes I, it gets a little risque and a little makes me a little bit uncomfortable to watch. It is very uncomfortable to watch because you're wondering who's making decisions on these little girls' behalf with such short-sightedness as to say, oh, we just want them in a cute outfit or, oh, we just want them to have some flexibility so they can kick their legs up and when they squat down, there's nothing to pull um, or to prevent them from doing so. That's short-sightedness. It is so inappropriate and irresponsible um, as adults to allow our young girls to have their body presented to the public um, in such a way that is overgrown, inappropriate, and that makes those watching uncomfortable. I posted um, something on, on Facebook that basically said, you know, the, the Tomaville LaFleur uh, reunion was pretty dope. I just didn't appreciate seeing the little girls march down the street and tights and leotards and nothing covering their behinds or in um, halter tops and their big bellies exposed. I just don't think that's appropriate for little girls. And it saps away um, what it means to be a little girl. But it seems like the trend in this culture is to um, grow these girls up so fast to where they do wear weaves. They do have on lashes when they're and photos sometimes. They do have on full face makeup, you know, going to eighth grade first period. You know what I'm saying? That's too much to me. I like my little girls 
little girls for as long as possible, and it's for their own protection. They're going to have a whole lifetime to do what grown women do, but because some grown-ups are so advantageous as to use these girls to live out their dreams, um, then it, it just creates this dichotomy where it's like, are we exploiting our girls or are we protecting our girls? I agree. Um, it does make me definitely raise a brow. I don't have daughters, and, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of glad that I don't because I just don't know how I would feel if that is something that my daughter wanted to take part in. And I will say this. There are some dance organizations that I have seen where the girls are in um, sweat or joggers or, you know, something like that, which I feel like is way more appropriate than, right. like I said, the leotards or these having to say, I'm not interested in seeing a little girl's midriff at all, you know. Right. So wear anything that simulates a bra or a halter top I mean, it just seems too much. I feel like an old granny sometimes when I'm looking at what's acceptable or what's accepted by the masses. I'm like, when do we get to this point? It used to be a time where your parents, your mom and your dad wouldn't let you wear certain stuff. Remember the, the episode of the Cosby show <laughs> when um, when Vanessa and her friends, and they came down, sashaying down the stairs, mm-hmm. and they had on, like, these little bodysuits. And, mm-hmm. and they were, like, in high school, and they came down with that locomotion routine, and Claire was like, no, ma'am. Oh, my goodness. No, ma'am. A classic episode. Like, her and Cliff was looking like these bitches in lost their mind coming down our right. stairs talking about everybody's doing a brand-new dance now. Like, hell no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like high schoolers, you know what I mean? And I look back on it now, right. it's like that's not even a big deal. Like, y'all and y'all girls go out here, squat down, and thrust them pelvis in front of potential perverts and all kind of men that, you know, are looking at them in inappropriate ways with nothing covering the middle section, nothing covering po- their ass. Potential perverts. Potential perverts? These things are perverted. I actually looked up on the sexual um, the website. When, you, know, when, you know, first of all, whenever you have a sexual offense or a sexual assault case of some court, you go on a sexual offense registry. And... I checked it out for the Tomanville area, and I did a five-mile radius. They had 195 men on that registry. Wow. 195 men in a five-mile radius was on that registry for sexual crimes against. Uh-uh. I'm not with And most of them were little girls, 14, yeah. 12, 8. And I looked, and I was like, dang. And it was so many African-American males, and not just talk house. They had some mm-hmm. niggas I went to school with. Like, they came out in the new millennium, class of 2000, yeah. class yeah. of 2002. You know what I'm saying? Like, nah, right. that's not cool. That's not cool. And we need to do a better job of protecting our girls we and their to. image and their bodies. Like, yeah. that is a, that's, what, that's a sexual assault on the young girl body to have it thrusting down the street 
And I just wonder, like, I I wonder at what point, though, did that become the standard? Like, there's always been these uh, dance organizations for young girls. I remember when I was a kid, we had, like, Culture Black and White and a lot of other organizations like that, that marched in the Mardi Gras parade. So I'm just wondering, at what point did the miniature dance girl outfits become appropriate? Like, we've accepted it for high school, and and I think that's, that's more appropriate for teenagers. But... When did we become okay with our eight-year-olds, um, you know, just damn near naked to, to say I'm a part of this, this dance group? Like, when, who, who brought that to the parents and everybody said, oh, yeah, that's cute, that's a good idea? Like, I'm just not understanding. It just seems like an absolute uh-uh to me, you know. Right. But I, but you know what? I again, I'm I'm like Grandma Aunt B sometimes because, you know, I don't even like to see little girls in two piece like bikinis at certain age. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I'm just like wear your little your little one piece until you get of a certain age. And I know that's really right. really popular and acceptable now to put little girls in two piece. So I I you know I know this is an unpopular opinion, but I'm just. I'm just real. I'm just. I'm just real picky about stuff like that. Well, what's popular ain't always right, and what's right ain't always popular. And just and because has. more and more groups are having these little girls in these two pieces, y'all throwing bundles in these little girls' heads out of their booties. You know, they wearing halters and they showing more flesh. They don't necessarily make that right. You know what I'm saying? We've taken pornographic culture to a whole other level to where it's like child porn culture, and we're okay with it. I'm not okay with that. I'm about these babies, and it's inappropriate to present them like that. Can you imagine countries where the standard practice is for women and girls to be covered, and they see your little soon to be Jezebel marching down the street? They're probably saying, what in the world is going on with those Americans? Squatted down, popping that thing all off up in the middle of the street. I just don't, don't I just don't think do that's right. And, and I mean, I watched my little I watched my little cousin react to them girls. And he a boy. Yeah. He pulled on them pants. He a boy. He responded. He pulled on his own pants. Ooh. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we got little girls titillating little boys way too soon. It's too much. Merch. It's too much, y'all. Gather the babies up and protect them for as long as possible. Like, all of that, it will be appropriate in due time. At 8 years old, 11, 12 even, like, I just, let's do a better job with that. Like, it, it's just too much. It really, really is. It is. <sighs> but look, before let's we go another further, I don't know what you had on your agenda, but I, I, can't, I can't even go further without um, sending a huge Congratulations to the Clemson Tigers for dethroning <laughs> the Alabama Crimson Tide in the national championship. What a game. What I knew a game. It was what a game. <laughs> what a game. You know what? I was so happy. I stayed away past my bedtime because the game, this was really a very good national championship game. They went down for down, quarter for quarter, all the way to the end. It was so exciting. It was everything that a national championship game should be, um, much better than the Super Bowl probably will be. And I was just so happy to see Clemson pull out with the win. And I, I just I, – I was, I was happy like I went there, like it was my team that won. And so many people <laughs> – 
it's so many people that are happy because of that win in the country. You know, it's just like that win oh, that I know. gave. That was a big win for college football fans all over the country because everybody, non-Alabama fans, are just tired of seeing Alabama in a national Apparently. championship Apparently. every year. It's just tired. I was just, and, and it was a rematch from last year. Alabama and Clemson playing the national championship game um, last year, and ultimately Alabama did win that game. But this year, baby, it was a whole different story. 2017, Clemson took that crystal ball from Alabama, and I was just like, yeah. I hear <laughs> the joy. The joy in your voice is only matched. <laughs> by the man whose last name I am taking, who is the love of my life and forever. Terrell sent me a message and some of his other friends, and the subject line was Tigers all over the world. Missouri Tigers, LSU Tigers, Auburn Tigers, Big Clemson Tigers. (laughs) Say it with me real loud now, fold Tigers. Yes, that's right. That's oh, right. Pure, unadulterated, uncut hate down goes Bama. And I was just so disturbed because he is so gentle, so compassionate, such a sweetheart. I have not even seen the inkling of him being able to conjure up such hate. And he, <laughs> he does hate Alabama. He really does. <laughs> I said time and time again, you know, I don't have a problem with the university. It's the fans. Like, a loss for Bama, to me, is the, it's a loss for the fans. Like, the fans got to be hushed. Like, that's the, that's what really, really, you know, makes right. me that much more happy. Like, when the, when the, the loss occurred and I'm like, man, it's going to be some upset. And because they get so mad, like, they get – don't talk to me. I'm going to block you on Facebook. You know, I'm going right. to slap you when I see you mad for laughing. You know, they just take it so seriously. They get so upset, and it, it's just the funniest right. thing. They, I mean, I was, I checked the news the next day actually to see if any murders had occurred because, you know, Bama fans are known for killing folks when they lose games. Okay. Wow. <laughs> they will, too. So uh, I didn't see any uh Reported murders, but yeah, they get that angry, man. So shout out to Clemson. I hey, yeah, like like your boy said, that's a victory for Tigers all over the world. Tony the Tiger, all the Tigers. That's right, all yes. the Tigers. That's right. Yeah, you talking about that is so somebody funny. was happy. I'm just happy you're happy. You know what I'm saying? Like your joy is so contagious right now. It's incredible. Yes, it, it did that. That was one of my own 2017 highlights already. <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, in other Alabama news, um, <laughs> U.S. Senator Jeff Sessions started his proceedings um, to vet him for the position in which President-elect Donald Trump um, requested that he serve, and that is as U.S. Attorney General. And so, you know, going into the hearings, um, the NAACP, as we reported, you know, protested against 
the nomination and basically said, we're not rocking with a Jeff Sessions. And so many attorneys across the country, professors across the country, law students across the country have basically written in to let people know they're not rocking with Sessions. And lo and behold, Sessions Camp was able to find about 20 African-American pastors to say, (laughs) you know what? We like sessions. Y'all just using a racist word just too willy-nilly. And so I wanted to get your thoughts on the pastors coming forth and saying that they supported sessions and that all y'all need to hush up that ruckus about him being a racist. <laughs> now, girl, you know I don't know nothing about that now. <laughs> him 20 Negro uh, preachers to have his back in, that's in right. a nutshell. That's right. Well, you, that's a good strategy. Um, you know, and that's what if you are, if, if you all have been presented or if the world looks at you as a racist and you're trying to change uh, everybody's perception, what better thing to do than go get you some Negro preachers <laughs> to tell the other black people he cool, he good. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? So on his on his end, I feel like that is absolutely strategic. I mean, when you want people to not think you hate niggas, you go get you some nigger preachers to tell all the other <laughs> niggas that <laughs> that, that you is okay. <laughs> you know we're in Alabama, you gotta get you some good old Baptist preachers. <laughs> Which is a, the complete whoring of the pool pit, um, especially given Sessions professional record. And let me tell you, I have a diverse network. I respect Mm -hmm. my network. I have a people that was, that's consistently roll tie and Trump. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like they are with, they rock with the Republican party. They are some of the most brilliant people I know. I just disagree with some of the people that they support. And we agree to disagree. But when your people in your network start to ask you, let me know what's going on, help me understand your perspective, I think that says a lot about our culture and our our local community when you have people willing to get a better understanding of your position. And so I was asked that, and this was well before um, the Negro preachers came about to support sessions, uh, which still has me just bewildered in my mind. Because, as mentioned, you know, NAACP and Sessions have beef, and they have beef because he basically called their organization un-American, and they have beef because he indicted uh, voting rights activists who were trying to ensure that people had access to the ballot, right? So he indicted some folks. The case got dropped. Fast forward. So we, we click on the NAACP. Fast forward. Sessions was what, U.S. Um, well, Attorney General here in the Mobile area. And we remember when the war on drugs started, and we always talk about the pipeline to prison, but we seldom articulate who the conduit is, who is, you know what I'm saying, the, the master of pulling people from free persons to inmates, and that's prosecutors. And under Sessions' leadership, Mobilians, specifically black Mobile, saw 
they love ones get lifted off these streets, and he used such tactics as leveraging conspiracy laws, the SNCC system. So when you saw people on your paperwork that you did not know, it's because folks have corroborated testimonies to basically say, yeah, you served me. Now, nah, you don't even know them people, but you're going to let people say, yeah, you served me, and then you're going to make sure that they get the max time. You already know what the laws are, but your charges are stacked up so that there's no way people can get freedom. That's my problem with Sessions. Yes, he did his job well, but in his professional position, he didn't seem to give a damn about people of color. And so that's my issue with Jeff Sessions. And if you place him as U.S. Attorney General, which is concerned with the legal affairs of this country, is the chief law enforcement officer and the chief lawyer for the United States government, I'm not going to trust you to do your job in a way that there's equality for all people. You know what I'm saying? I looked at how you did the African-American community. I'm not with it. So for these pastors to come and say, yo, he all good, that just makes me side-eye them even more because they were living and breathing when this travesty of mass incarceration started to kick off and they did nothing about it. When they stopped seeing young black males come to church with their grandma and them, they ain't go to them streets to come get them. They didn't look for employment opportunities for them. They did nothing. They let, they allowed the community to just fumble, and I have a problem with that. So they have no Well, you know, the, the whole premise either. of a lot of the premise that a lot of uh, your preachers stand on is the premise of forgiveness and redemption. So maybe they are looking at it from the point of view that, hey, this was the old sessions, this was what happened, and we have total faith, and we're going to believe that moving forward uh, he's made some type of change and he's not that guy. I, I agree. I think forgiveness is important. And once they forgive all them brothers that's incarcerated for nonviolent offenses and, them, and got those long length of citizens, when they open the gates and let them out, then I think freedom, I think forgiveness, excuse me, will be warranted. But he hasn't done anything in the current to basically say that warrants forgiveness. You know what I'm saying? Forgive, yeah. You just don't extend forgiveness. You do to ease your own heart so you won't be building cold. But when we talk about professional stuff, bro, you got to come with it. So I'll forgive yeah. Sessions' track record when he opened the gates for the nonviolent drug offenders and let them brothers come home. And then I think that's, that's, that's equitable. That's equal. That makes sense. Freedom and forgiveness is then warranted. Yeah. Until then, I'm side-eyeing your professional record. That's just like having a teacher that keeps passing students that she know, he or she knows can't read. Like you're doing a disservice. That happens Like your numbers look good, but that child can't read. That child illiterate. And you're just letting them elevate to the next level? Nah. Professionally on paper you look right, but morally and ethically you dead wrong. That's how I look well, at it. Well, I realize this from being on social media that clearly a lot of people who couldn't read and write and spell. I be having to use my context clues like a mug to figure out what some people be talking about. <laughs> Andy, I delete those people. I can't. I'm not. I can't. What are I you can't. talking about? I gotta use my I context can't. I can't. <laughs> my network minimally has to be literate. I can rock with oh, different point of views on politics. 
I can rock on different income levels. I can rock with different races, different sexual orientations. I can rock with all that, but I draw the line at literacy. <laughs> they got to go. They got to go. <laughs> and litter bugs. <laughs> Okay, well, I want to transition to a more shallower topic, okay? <laughs> I, for whatever reason. There's something, there's something more shallow than not being friends with folks who can't read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's called The Real Housewives of Atlanta. <laughs> okay. Girl, I don't know why. Like, I still tune into them, and I'm just, like, sitting up shaking my head the whole time because I'm like, these women are 40s and 50s, and y'all still superficial and quarantine and throwing shade. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, when do you grow the hell up? Like, y'all, you know, just only do things for each other. You know, let me hurry up and get my house together so I can invite everybody over and stunt. Like, it is just some shameful <laughs> group of women, like, and I watch every week. <laughs> so what does it say about you to I watch know, these I'm not just people like, and their <laughs> They just have the craziest scenarios. I'm like, do what do you guys do all day that y'all can just invite people to your plastic surgeon's office and have a look at my titties party? Like, it's not right. like that. The chick Cynthia's thinking about getting her boobs redone and invited everybody to the the doctor's office to look at her boobs. I was just like, y'all, are, what is really going on with these hoes? I really don't know. But I got a question, though, that came up from the last episode. Okay. So um, Peter and Cynthia are going through a divorce. Peter yeah. had an, um, he has a new business that opened in Charlotte. So he invited mm-hmm some of their mutual friends to come out and come to the grand opening. He asked Kenya, who's really good friends with Cynthia, to host um, the event. So I have a two-part question. My first part of that question is, what are the rules for keeping in touch with mutual friends when a relationship is over? So keep that in your head. So Mm -hmm. he invites Kenya to host the party, and Kenya runs it by Cynthia. Well, he didn't invite Cynthia, who's his ex-wife, to be. Um, mm-hmm. But she goes anyway. Mm. So the second part of that question is, if you are really trying to be done with a person and you really are cutting ties with them, is it appropriate or at what point do you start to go to places where you know they are? Because usually when you're done with a person, you try to stay away from any place where you know they're going to be. And she took a trip from Atlanta to Charlotte just to be at this grand opening that she she wasn't invited to. (laughs) That she was not even invited Mm -hmm. to. You know, which I can understand why he didn't invite her. I mean, that's tough. He's not seeking the divorce. She is. So they're still technically married, even though they hadn't, you know, really been seeing each other much. But, you know, he's just kind of like, I mean, I just didn't know how that was going to be. I didn't know if it was going to be tough, you know, seeing you or whatever, which I totally understand that. Like, I, I get why she didn't get invited. But as far as her homegirl getting invited to host, like, if you break up with somebody, 
what is your method or what's your rules for keeping in touch with friends that y'all have together? I mean friends that you've met through him, not friends that you already had before the relationship. So his guy friends or even girls that you know because of him, like do you remain close friends with them or how does that work out? When I'm thinking about past relationships which seem like eons and eons ago and I think my, hmm, well, we had a mutual, Ace and I had a mutual agreement that even if our relationship didn't make it to forever, that I would still um, look out for his homeboys, which were artists. And so I stayed true to that. I love their music. They are some of the most talented people to come up out of Mobile, the South United States, the Western Hemisphere. So I am forever looking for opportunities for them to shine. Um, So that has been the exception because once we break up, um, one, I'm not necessarily trying to mix and mingle with your group of friends like that um, because it seems like it's a way to maintain some level of contact. Right. And I don't want that to be misperceived. Once I move forward, my choo-choo does not go backwards, and that is tried and true. I can't even look back. Like, my neck won't even turn to the side, the left or the right. And I can, and I, and I definitely understand that because I feel like, I mean, if we break up, you break up with everybody in my life. My friends, my mom and them, my right. everybody, okay? Like, I don't need you calling my homegirls inviting them to things you have going on, calling my family members, inviting them to things you have going on. When you broke up with me, everybody got broke up with. That's right. I'm saying get you some more friends, period. And on that note, I'm definitely not trying to position myself anywhere that you're going to be and would be slightly offended if you found yourself at one of my events or at something that I had going on. And just know the statute of limitations for this is about five to seven years. So after five to seven years, we good. You know what I'm saying? But I won't say yeah, clear yeah. line drawn five right. to seven years. Right, right. You know? It has to be I think that's It necessary. can't be immediate breakup and bam, I'm at your event, my friends at your event. Like we ain't had time to really say we really not together anymore. Like we right. just need to cut it off. Like you said, give it some years and then – I can run into you and it's all good because all feelings are really gone and we don't feel any type of entitlement to each other. It takes a while to erase that entitlement to each other's feeling. You know, like that that uh, desire, I guess, you have to question somebody or ask certain things or feel some type of way. Or just to be in that space to have that familiarity. Like, yeah. It, be, yep. it becomes familiar to have someone in your world. And so that's the tragedy of breaking up. Let that shit burn. Let it burn. Let it it's burn. okay. Let that's why I understand all these nice people when they break up with folks, they want to be friends and stuff. Like, oh immediately. Like, that's so crazy. You want to be friends immediately. That is stupid. I still want to be your friend. That cannot happen. Why? That won't happen. I'm cold in that regard. I'm so warm and hot and passionate when we together. But once we not, that switch flipped out. I don't even know what your sex game was like anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, I shit all that down. I have straight like, amnesia. Ooh. I just get, just get amnesia. Word. But I just got to get 
to um, Candy. She is the one housewife that I really, you know, can respect her hustle. Like, she she has been getting money before this, and she's all about her business. And she seems to be the most level-headed, the most sane one. So I'll really put her in that category with the rest. Speaking of uh, Ms. Candy, she has this line of adult pleasure toys, right. um, bedroom candies. And we got our own homegirl, Pam K, who is a distributor for her. And yes. quiet as kept, I'm going on my one-year anniversary of not having any sex. Yay. That's huge Woo-hoo. for me. So I'm very proud of myself. But I'm wondering if you don't use it, will you lose it? And so I've been considering you know, investing in some pleasure items. I thought it was sinful to use pleasure toys, but when you're 37 years old and ain't nobody being your back end and you wondering why you having wet dreams like you look 13-year-old boy. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do something. You got to do something. You got to do something. Are you going to invest in trying to find you the perfect toys for yourself? I'm scared. Mm. You know, I'm approved about certain things, and that just happens to be one of them. I'm like, I'm kind of scared. Hmm. Like, seriously. You know, because I don't want to become so reliant on the toy to stimulate me that when my man comes, if he doesn't vibrate, then I'm not going to respond <laughs> to him. You know what I'm saying? And then right. I don't want to use the toy and get to heaven and get you turned because the Lord likes The God is not going to turn you and your bullet. <laughs> not my Lord. Not my Lord. Okay, so you're going to get your, so you're going to get a dildo or what? <laughs> I told you I am scared. That's why we're having a conversation. I thought you were going to offer some peer counseling. Like, girl, you're going to be all right. Girl, you're going to be all right. <laughs> you're going to feel better to see your man if you use one of them things that goes. And I think so. Like, I, I do. Know. I think so. Like, I mean. There, because there's no there's no substitution for a human interaction. Like I don't I don't know of anybody that would turn down actual hands and lips and tongue, you know, because they got something that vibrates. Like that would have to just be something that held you over to me. And I can't even see that being preferred over actual flesh. You know what I'm saying? So I don't even think you have anything to worry about you know, when it comes down to that, thinking you'll be upset because your dude don't have no double A batteries in his dangling. <laughs> <laughs> I think you will um you will toss those toys in the top drawer or wherever, maybe even in the trash can, you know, when you um get to the point where you are back bumping and grinding again. So go ahead and, and try it out. See what it oh, see what it do. <laughs> see what them double A's do. <laughs> see what they do. I would love to hear some feedback from our loyal listeners. Like, is it simple <laughs> to use erotic toys 
when you are looking to live a sinless life? <laughs> and, you know, and it's crazy because, you know, then tours are not just for single people or people who are not um, engaging in sexual activity. Like, it's a lot of people that are. They are married. It's a lot of people that have steady boyfriends or steady sexual partners, and they still use toys on the right. What do you mean folks using toys in the mix of their relationships and they're not yeah. married? Like, you, oh, no, good. That's good. <laughs> I don't know. So, no, so the listeners, let, you know, I really want the feedback about the adult toys. Like, y'all with it? You know, is that acceptable? Is, are adult toys acceptable in the kingdom? <laughs> no. Okay, so, before we go... <laughs> However you interact with us on SoundCloud, um, comment, or Facebook, what is your rules or what's your method for using your toys? Like, do you use sex toys? Are you single and use them? Do you use them when you're in a relationship? Um, do you feel like it's taboo? Do you sneak? Is it a secret? Like, you know, how you get down with it? Are you proud of it? What? Like, how you get down with the sex toys? Mm-mm. I can't wait to get this feedback. Yes. And if we have husbands and wives responding, y'all respond together because we want this a real live dialogue. <laughs> I'm all in y'all business. Yeah. I'm trying to see if y'all going to get in the kingdom to use me. <laughs> She's so funny. <laughs> Yo, it's your girl E.T. And it's Aunt B. You know, I'm very um, energetic. Energetic to be going on this one-year journey, this one-year anniversary. So when it comes to that day, I think we need to have a celebration. Are you with it? I'm absolutely with it. Just let me know. I'm there. Perfect. Yo, it's the wind down. <laughs>